This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. And welcome, Simon. Welcome to Brojo Online Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm very, uh, very stoked to have you here. You know, I've worked with you for quite some time now, and um, I could safe to say I think you're you're the favourite person I've ever worked with. I really, genuinely mean that. Um, just because of the progress I see you make each time we get together. So tell us a bit about yourself, man. Just in general, you know, introduce yourself to the listeners. Who is Simon? That's a good question. Who is Simon? I think that's something I'm still trying to figure out who I am <laughs> myself. But if at the start of this journey, I would probably describe myself. I'm the, I'm the, the typical um, nice guy. I'm nice to everyone. Everyone is. Everyone can get whatever they want. If someone needs something done, I will. I will see it to that that they are okay. Which and then a few things started to happen, and I started to realise that actually there's more to there's more to this there's more to this life than just sort of bending over for everyone. I started doing a little bit of reading. I um. Uh, read no more Mr. Nice Guy mm. and I started kind of looking for answers as well about I'm not quite where I want to be in my life and what can I do to um, try and be the best me that I can be because 18 months two years ago I wasn't happy with the person that I was mm. which then eventually led, led me uh, led me to uh, to uh, contacting contacting you after watching a video of yours on YouTube and then uh, going from there, really. Yeah, and that's I think that's why we connected so well. We both got that, that kind of history of, of being caretaker, people pleasers, whatever the hell it's called, you know, trying to make everyone else happy and sacrificing ourselves in the process, right? And I think that's why we connected so well. Tell I mean, let's let's go a little bit more into. Um, into the build-up, you know, we're going to get to a point where we'll talk about you making that change in the last couple of years. Tell us a little bit about what it meant for you to be a people pleaser. Like, what was it that made you a people pleaser? It was, it was the fear that if I'm not, if I don't try and make everybody else happy, that somehow that makes some, there's something wrong with me, and people won't want to be around me because they are. They think, oh well, he's not doing everything he can to to make me happy. Therefore, I don't need to I don't need to be around that kind of thing. Um, as I very much saw, almost a sort of a noble self-sacrifice of I will sacrifice myself for the greater good of everybody else, kind of thing. Wanting to be like the, the noble hero that ultimately was a ultimately was failing, uh, ultimately a failure, but a but a heroic failure kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was one of the things that really stood out for me as well, was I kind of got to a point where I told myself I was the hero in the story, you know, the one who made everyone feel good when the rest of the world was making them feel bad and that kind of thing. Um, and, and you hint at something that I'm keen to explore a bit deeper with you, is the kind of fear that was driving you, the fear that people would leave you or somehow judge you as, as something uh, if you weren't to perform in this way. You know, Tell us a bit about what it was like to live with that fear and, and how it controlled you, sort of especially before you came really aware that, that there was another way, you know? You kind of start to get it into your head that you're just generally not good enough, that somehow there was something wrong with you, and somehow you look around and you see other people with your perceived idea of having stuff that you don't have and you then start asking yourself well there must be something wrong with me as a person and then you start beating yourself up you start you go on a vicious downward circle of you beat yourself up so you feel bad about it so you beat yourself up some more and you get to a point where actually it's not a nice it's not a nice place to be you just actually start saying to yourself I'm not. I'm. I'm just not good enough. And 
it's actually looking back it's actually something that it's actually quite quite sad in a way that actually just because of a thought process in your own mind you then you then look for things that oh that didn't quite happen the way I liked it so that's confirmation in my mind of that's of of me not being a good person or me not being worthy of something and then it, all, and it starts to become almost a self-fulfilling prophecy when you, you are immediately from the get-go, you apply for a job. Okay, what's going, something's going to go wrong here. You go out, I'm waiting for something to go wrong. And it just builds and it builds and, yeah, you end up feeling just generally rubbish and horrible. And, and it gets to a point when you actually start questioning who... Who am I, kind of thing? What, 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 what is? What am I supposed to be doing here? Yeah, there, oh god, there's so much in that that I that I resonate with. You know, we've talked about this before. That idea that you kind of you start taking the blame for things, don't you? You start like anything, like life just being life, which means it goes up and down and left and right, and there's no controlling it. Every time it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, you take that personally, right? Like, you fucked up. I see this quite often with the people I work with. They'll give everyone else the benefit of the doubt. Someone else is having a bad week, like, oh, you're just unlucky, mate, you know, poor you. But when it's you, as the people pleaser or whatever, the nice guy, all of a sudden it's your fault. You know, same exact situation, but now it's you that did it, not luck. You know, you're the, you're the fuck up. And... Then you beat yourself up, and then you feel bad for beating yourself up, so you beat yourself up some more, like you say, and that that vicious spiral happens. And you can end up being quite miserable with what is essentially actually a fairly mediocre life. Nothing that, you know, comparatively extreme might be happening to you. You know, you compare yourself to, say, a child soldier or something. Nothing that bad's really happening to you. But then that makes it even worse, because now you don't even have a good excuse to be upset so you beat yourself up for that and on and on right and you end up in this kind of shitty spiral i mean let's talk a little bit about origins for me this started very early you know that's that's my earliest memories are of trying to make people happy um what about you man tell us about the beginning of this for you it's hard to pinpoint where it kind of began really Mm um i i think it's i can't sort of Quite, quite um, pin it on one particular instant or one series of instances. I would say it's just a case of sort of growing up. You look at the you 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 look at the exter- You look at sort of the world around you, and you think, oh, all I need to do is get by. Is just if I'm if I'm just nice and put put everybody else before needs before myself, then I will get. Then that's all I need to do to be successful in life. And I think, I think fundamentally, being a being a good person and all that—that's a good message. But I think at some point that message kind of corrupted into my in my brain. Instead of sort of saying, if you're a good person and you look after yourself, then you'll get what you want. You get what you want, and you help others get what they want from life. Yeah. I think it kind of got corrupted into my brain to being a bit of. I must be. I must give everybody what they want and ignore what I want. Mm. And that's that's a key thing. I think the the very definition of people pleaser is that is that not just providing for others, but to do so at the expense of yourself. You know, there are plenty of generous people out there. What I'd call confidently generous. They take care of others, but they take care of them second. You know, it's that um. The analogy we've talked about before, when you're in the plane and the oxygen mask drops down, and you got to put on yours before you put on the child next to you, you know, before you help them with theirs. Because if you don't put yours on first, it's like a suffocating person is trying to help another suffocating person. No one's going to win in that situation. And this is the people-pleaser thing, isn't it? It's a suffocating person trying to help other suffocating people. Um, think, think back, I mean, tell us a little bit about some specific memories, I guess, that come to mind from your earlier years, where you could see this self-sacrificing, people-pleasing behaviour? I think this idea of you you 
cancel plans to to because somebody you someone's asked you to do something so you you you've got a plan to do something mm-hmm. so you cancel the plan you cancel what you're planning to do in order to help somebody out and then you you do this thing when you, you kind of then it's, it's something that you've you mentioned quite a lot the whole idea of the COVID contract you then hold it against them in, in the mind I, I can I can think of numerous times throughout sort of my sort of teenage years and sort of my early twenties where I would change what I was doing in order to benefit somebody else, but not necessarily because I felt like I I wanted to, but I felt like I had to mm. to um, to sort of please this people please inside of me that's like saying in the background if you don't do it everything that somebody wants you to do they're going to abandon you they're going to leave you where actually if you say to somebody look i'd really like to help you back you've got plans this day they're actually going to be fine with it say oh that's that's cool mate not a problem but yeah that was that was the big thing for me it was it was i can't necessarily think of any prime examples right now but i can there's a lot of times where i would put the needs of others before mine and i would know it and then I would, then it would stay in the brain. Mm. So you hold that kind of IOU debit in your mind, don't you? Like you've done something nice for them and now you're waiting for that return. And in yeah. your experience, what usually happened with that return? Because you've set the standards so high, that they're never going to ever be able to meet it. And... I think also as well, something about the mentality, the whole people pleasing tragic hero mentality is that actually there's part of you that probably doesn't actually want them to meet it because if they meet it, then you're no longer the tragic hero. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's interesting. I've never heard it put like that before, but one of the things that I found really bizarre about both being a people pleaser and then later studying them is they spend so much effort in trying to get compliments and recognition, but when they finally get it, they push it away. And it used to blow my mind. I'm like, you finally earned what you've been working for, you know, all that validation you've been seeking, here it is. And yet you, you try complimenting a people pleaser and they'll brush it off, like, nah, you know, I just got lucky, but they just won't let, won't let it land. And I think you just nailed it, because if they do, then they're not the victim hero anymore, are they? What did you call it? The tragic hero. I love it. The tragic hero is the self-sacrifice that they must suffer to be the tragic hero. What are your thoughts on that? Why 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 would someone want to be like this, do you think? What's the appeal? I think there's a... um, I think there is a degree of... um, There's a romantic notion of the tragic hero especially if you look in throughout um, mythology and especially if you look throughout throughout sort of like a lot of fantasy and a lot of sci-fi, time after time again you come across this idea of a tragic hero. A hero that has given his all and then afterwards and then afterwards is proclaimed as some sort of hero. And I think that's attractive to people because they go, if we take my example of someone who's not feeling particularly great about myself, and you look at you, you look around and see this idea of the, the, the tragic hero. He sacrificed everything. Now people people love him. Um, that's quite a, that's quite appealing. Mm. And compliments compliments are an interesting one because I when you were saying about how people um, how people often don't like uh, receiving compliments, I was just like that. If somebody says, oh. Thanks ever so much. You, you've done a really good job. Then, oh, it doesn't matter. It's absolutely fine. Or the other thing is, you'd start looking for reasons why it wasn't up to par. Like, yeah, it was alright, but I could have done better here and there. You start self. So you start the self-deprecation. Mm. Now, this is this is really important, I think. You know, because as you know, as we both know, as as being people pleasers. It's, it's funny, it's such a nice-sounding title, and yet it's such a toxic psychology, isn't it? But I think one of the things is the trap that they're in. They're never going to be able to achieve what they're trying to achieve because they'll take it away from themselves anyway. Like you mentioned, self-deprecation, pushing away recognition. 
they they do the part being the tragic hero, the self-sacrificing to be loved, but they won't let the to be loved bit even happen anyway. They don't trust it. They don't believe it. We've we've both experienced it, haven't we? Like someone finally say, "Yes, you're good enough now," and we'll be the first to say, "Nah, actually, I think there's more to be done. I'm not quite there yet." And uh, all I can see is errors and failures. It's like we're fighting very hard to not get what we want. Tell me a bit about, you know, we've talked so much about psychology of people pleasers and so forth. Someone who's listening to this, a people pleaser who's listening to this, who's clinging to it, they're like, no, it's a good thing to be. What do you what do you have to say to those people? Once you start taking care of yourself and once you start actually trying to put your own needs first, it gets better. It gets better. You, you have more fun. You start to enjoy life more. Your world starts to open up. Now, it's not a, it's not a pleasant experience, some of it. You're gonna have to let. You're gonna have to go through a lot of emotions and a lot. Let go a lot of stuff, which will give you sleepless nights. It will make you feel sick to your stomach occasionally, but it does get better. And I wouldn't trade me me now for how I was before. For how I was before. Mm. Well, maybe that's a good transition for us to start talking a little bit about you now and some of the changes you've been through you know like uh, it's been it's been so great for me to watch your journey from from this side because um, you're such an open-minded guy so you just try all this new stuff you're happy to challenge your old beliefs it's like just the favorite thing for a coach to work with you know um, so you know what comes to mind tell us about some of the key changes you made and and the insights you had around those changes the big change for me is the um, preparing to make myself feel uncomfortable. I've, I've always been trying to ensure that I, I live in almost like a, a safe space where everything's nice and comfortable and nothing's going to harm me and nothing's going to make me upset and nothing's, I'm not going to fail. So one of the big things that uh, one of the big things that I've been doing that is so it's kind of become sort of almost a motto for me. Whenever I need to start looking at what I need to do next, I ask myself the question, what's scary? What makes me scared? And I've been trying to move towards, right, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, the example I use, I go along to a, a, a group. Uh, once a month we meet for lunch and we talk uh, some personal development. And I remember the first time I went along to that, I was physically shaking. I was that nervous because mm. uh, I was around. I was in a situation that I couldn't control in a city I don't know particularly well, around people that I, I hadn't met before. And all the way over, I was thinking to myself, "You could just turn around and go home. You could just turn around and go home." And you, if you saw me, you would be. You could see me shaking. Mm. I'm, I'm convinced. Me over 18 months ago would have found an excuse to go home. But I went along, had a great time, and got a lot out of it. And I found that time and time again that if you, if you, the more you open yourself up and actually put yourself in a scenario where you don't feel, you don't feel, you don't feel comfortable. Now I'm not saying doing anything that's, there's a difference between not feeling comfortable and just being reckless. Mm -hmm. If you, if you, move towards something that makes you feel uncomfortable you're gonna you're gonna learn something you're gonna have an experience and even if it doesn't go the way you want it you, you've still got then the feedback of oh, i've tried that it doesn't work what's next kind of thing mm. and this is this i mean you, you touched on a, a very key point there as well with this whole people pleasing thing is that the discomfort is about being out of control and people pleasers, one of the things that they find hard to face about themselves when they finally change is that they are judgmental control freaks. That's the truth of being a people pleaser. We're manipulative. 
We're there to control people into making them into an emotional state that we're comfortable with. We like to say, I'm pleasing other people, but the name itself is really ironic because you're not pleasing anyone but yourself in making other people happy. You're just putting them in a state where you get to feel comfortable all the time. And I absolutely agree that even if you don't have a clear reason why a thing might benefit you, if it's uncomfortable, go for it. Just get used to not being in control. You know, let let someone else be the star of the show or let someone else you know, be the one who pleases everyone and, and let someone else be upset by your behavior if that's what needs to happen. To start allowing those things. To, I mean, I have huge respect for anybody who does this. When I first started doing this myself, like you, I, I'd be shaking. You know? I'd be physically feeling nauseous. I'd, I'd have this thing I call the acid wash, which just feels like acids running through your, your system in the, in the like torso area. It's just yuck, sick feeling. And that's discomfort. That's what dis- that's what we mean, eh, when we say discomfort. It's that feeling and then still doing it, which is what people pleasers will avoid. So you've got the idea of moving into discomfort. That's a huge lesson. What else? There needs to be a degree of acceptance as well. Because what I found is one of the, one of the things you start doing, start working on yourself, you immediately start thinking, right, what... You read a few books or you have a conversation and it sets a few light bulbs going. You start asking yourself, okay, where, where are the areas that I'm falling down on? So you think I've made a mental list or something like that. You start thinking a few ideas through. And then you then start to have a bit of a realisation about yourself, about how you're not the, the perfect, um, awesome, amazing person that you think you are. Mm. And... I think one of the things, one of the things I personally, and I, I know we've had, we had conversations about this, that one of the things that I had to learn to do was not beat myself up over that and actually accept that's what I was, that's who I was. That's not the person who I want to be. But at all times I was doing what I thought was best because I knew, knew, I knew no different. I was, I was doing what I thought based on the information that my brain had accumulated. That if I would do this, then this would be, this would give me a happy and fulfilled life. So you then start looking back at things and thinking. You almost have these cringe moments when you you look back and think, oh, yeah, I don't like the look of that kind of thing. I wish it's just nervous just to think about it again. But actually. You're, you're making a step forward, so that's you're doing the right thing by making a step forward. So there's no need to beat yourself up over what you've done before. Yeah, I see a lot of people struggle with this concept when they start developing themselves, as they hit this immediate block where, well, if I always need development, how do I accept myself? You know, and and then I think, <clears throat> like you like you mentioned, the idea that being able to simultaneously hold the the concept that you're going to work on the areas that are causing you harm in your life, but that you have already been trying your best up until this point. You know, so many people, like, they look back at their past selves and they go, oh, I wish you had done this and that and the other. Like, he had somehow been slacking off. And you think one of the things that really marks being a people pleaser is just fucking how hard they work at it. It's all day with this shit. Unless you're alone, you're on. Isn't it? And this is why people please get so fucking exhausted. Is they're constantly doing their best. It's just the the tools they have at that time before they sort of learn the truth about what it means to be a people pleaser. They're limited to those tools. Those tools are try and make people happy and not know why. Self development is about understanding is when you get insights that there are other ways, more effective ways, uh, more healthy ways. You're obliged to follow up on those. You can't cling to something that's been proven to be harmful. And that's what I like about you, is every time a new thing opens up, I see that in you. You go, oh, there's a new thing, and you're ready to let go of the old one, but not punish yourself for using the old one. It's what got you here. You know, it's the vehicle you needed to get to this point. So that's awesome, man. So we've got the concept of facing discomfort, 
concept of kind of accepting while simultaneously improving you know what other big you know what are some of the big insights that you've had um since you've been over the last couple of years working on all this stuff that all the also as well like all the answers are already kind of already out there you've just got to go and find them Mm. everyone i think it was um I think it might be a Jim Rowan thing or something like that where he said he sort of mentions in one of his um, one of his uh, CDs that basically all the answers from all the great people that ever lived they've all put them down in book form so or in our case now in the 21st century we've got YouTube we've got uh, we've got uh, coaching programs got all these different things all these different ideas out there so the answers already aren't there. You've just got to go searching for them, mm. and you're going to come across some ideas where you think, "I don't, th- I don't really think that makes sense," or "I don't quite agree with that," or it differs from my point of the view. But then, what I've been trying to do is then say to myself, "What's? Is there anything from that particular view that does actually line up with my viewpoint? And can I implement some of those ideas into my into my thinking?" And I think that then helps you to become a bit more open-minded and not dismiss something at the first glance. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. When people try and look for the resources to change, is you're not going to get it all from one source. And I'm always distrustful of people who do that, distrustful of people who only go to, you know, only drink at one lake sort of thing. That's when you get the kind of guru complex somebody's kind of just my way is the way i i always you know i always recommend to people that they do a synergy take the bits that appealed to you and just discard the rest and put together your own thing made out of those bits i really like that and i think in terms of being a people pleaser that also just the practice of opening your mind to new beliefs because the the curse of the people pleaser is clinging to your belief that i need to be the tragic hero just the, even just the clinginess that you've developed around beliefs, where you're so solid in your mind, this is the only way to live, because it means I'm a good person. It's very hard. I'll be talking to someone who's not ready to change yet, a nice guy or a people pleaser who's not ready yet, and it's just this brick wall of belief. You know, I'd be like, have you ever questioned whether being nice is actually as nice as it looks? He's like, no, of course it is. It's definitely, it's the only way. And you can see this kind of like, not even open to challenge at all. Um, so I like the idea of looking for ideas that appeal to you to begin with, just as a way to, to add little bits and pieces to your toolkit. One of the things I was keen to talk to you about, there's a couple of things that came up in our work um, that, that I just found you know so incredible to talk about. And one of those was your views on rejection. So getting rejected socially um, you've had some changes in the way you view that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's been... Rejection, I always consider rejection before it to be rejection equals death. Mm. The whole... Um, I, I think the whole idea of basically we're social animals, you get rejected from the herd, you're doomed to, you're doomed to failure kind of thing. Mm. How I've tried to, how my thinking has kind of changed a little bit is I've I've directed my life to, to try and do more things that I enjoy, and very much my view of things now is I'm going to go and do this. If you'd like to come along, that's fantastic. It'd be great to have some company, but I'm still going to go and do this regardless of what anybody else says or anybody else thinks. And that then I think the very act of doing that has built my self-confidence because some one of the things I love doing, I absolutely love doing it, is uh, where I live, there's absolutely loads of uh, castles near to where I live. I absolutely love going around them. And I do, I, last few weeks I've been going, most weeks I'll go to a, a new place. And before I'd be scared of, well, what if somebody thinks I'm a bit, of, if, I'm, if I'm a bit boring and stuff like that, what if, Nobody else thinks it's, it's interesting. Well, actually, now I'm thinking, I want to go see that. I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go check it out. 
and nobody else finds it interesting. That's uh, that's great. I still find it interesting. On the flip side, you actually learn that actually, I got this cool interest. Actually, quite a lot of other people find that interesting as well. So mm. you actually end up learning that your pre my preconceived fear of being rejected because I want to do something is actually makes me a much more interesting person. Yeah, it's such a big one, and I always looked at it when I first got into this whole work. Rejection was one of my hugest things, that and confrontations, and I think we should talk about confrontations in a minute too. Um, and and with, with rejection, the idea that if I'm left alone, that's a painful place to be, that I'm done, you know. And I realized that the secret here is if I get okay with being alone, then I'm rejection-proof. No one can harm me with rejection if I'm okay being all by myself. And that was actually, for me, it's interesting you bring this up, for me, that was the, almost like the mantra of my journey at the beginning, was how can I enjoy life if no one loved me? That was the question I wanted to answer. That's what I thought the, the answer to that would be, what confidence was. If I managed to enjoy my life without needing anyone else to love me, um then I will have found the answer. And, you know, I still hold to that to this day. And it's what you've identified is you engaged in a behavior that lives up to that belief in order to make the belief true. You've gone and done something because you want to do it, whether or not other people want to come along or not. And that's what someone who loves themselves would do. Tell us, you know, we, we talked about this a bit more. I want to go a little bit deeper into rejection. I mean, we were talking about the idea of what actually happens in a rejection. What actually happens uh, inside your mind when somebody says no? You know, tell us a bit about your thoughts around that. You turn, I think with rejection, you turn it into a highly personal process. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't read what somebody else is thinking. We well, think we can, but you've got no definite way of knowing what's going on in that person's brain. They might be having a bad day. They just they might be feeling under the weather. There could be a whole host of reasons why they're not not they're not into doing what you want to do or or, or whatever. And you say, I want, I'm going to go do this. Do you want to come with me? And they say no. Immediately you either think it's something that you've done wrong or something that there's an issue with what you've suggested doing. And you try and you're trying to overcompensate for that. And I know this is something that I. I'd been terrible. I'd be terrible for. I'd think that somebody was annoyed with me, mm. and then I would try to right the wrong kind of thing, try and find out what this thing, this wrong thing was, and then half the time you end up actually making somebody properly angry because they're like, "Just leave me alone. <laughs> What's going on with you?" kind of thing. Of course, that just confirms the belief now, doesn't it? He's like, see, I knew I was annoying them. I'm such a loser, blah, blah, blah. Actually, you were fine before. It's you trying to fix things that was annoying. A lot of people don't... And this is why we talk about the judgmental nature of of being a people pleaser. Is you judge yourself and you judge others. So if someone rejects you, you judge yourself. You think, I'm a loser. I'm something wrong with me. And if someone's in pain... After that, you then judge them as being incapable of handling it themselves. And this is this is one of the key people-pleaser things. We go around making people happy like it's a nice thing to do. What we're really doing is going around controlling other people's emotions on their behalf because we don't trust them with them. We don't think they're, they're good enough to handle their own shit. You can see it like uh, for me as a people-pleaser, I was a terrible mediator. Anybody else having a dispute, I had to stick my fucking oar in. And try and like calm everything down. Because I couldn't trust other people to have a dispute safely. You know, and even if they couldn't have one safely, who who am I to get involved? If they don't ask for my support, who am I to get involved unless I'm judgmental? You know. Um So that's yeah, I, I think that's that's huge. That taking rejection personally without actually you have no idea why they said no in this moment. What about those times when it is about you, when someone rejects you in a way where it's kind of on no no uncertain terms that's because they don't like you? You know, how, how have your beliefs shifted around all of that? 
they've they've shifted from the again this I must change I must be the person they want me to be kind of thing um, to well that's fine I'm happy with what I am I'm happy with who I am be cool it'd be cool if we got on but if, you, if I'm not your cup of tea I can't be everybody's cup of tea so uh, good luck to you and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to continue having an awesome life and doing the things that I want to do and and uh, stuff like that well, that's a key one. I want to hear a bit more about this because for me, when I was deep in this nice guyness, there was an underlying be- belief, I guess, that I could be everyone's cup of tea, as you put it. That it was this kind of ironic belief that I could please everyone, even though everyone's got different tastes. Which of course meant I became a chameleon. I'd adjust to every situation perfectly so that it pleased everyone. At least I thought so. What are your thoughts around this idea of? You know, the struggle to please everyone, to be everyone's cup of tea. It goes back to what you were saying earlier about trying to control people's emotions. Mm-hmm. I've got this image very much of the puppet master with the uh, with the puppets on the strings below controlling every, every sort of, or attempt to control every movement. And I think deep down there's something, there's something manipulative about, about it. You're trying to you're trying to tell people what they want to hear, fundamentally, and even potentially that's going to cause you issues further down the line. Like when they find when it all comes it all comes out that actually you're not this person that you've painted yourself to be. When and you're still going to end up with the end result of them not like they're not liking you or them rejecting you somehow, which that's going to be a lot painful more painful because you've you have then spent time and effort and emotion trying to build some sort of connection with somebody that's fundamentally based on a lie. But then, if they see what you are to begin with and they don't like that, yeah, you might be a bit annoyed or you might be a bit saddened because you thought, oh, we're getting, we're getting all right. Um, but you haven't lost time and you haven't lost energy and you haven't lost them. You haven't made that emotional investment into that, that relationship would be a sort of a, a friendship or a romantic uh, relationship, which that's going to be painful. Yeah, that's huge. And, and I can see us now starting to, to taste the, the concept of honesty which uh, I figured these conversations always end up rolling around with. You know, essentially that, that manipulation, like you say, it's starting things on a lie. You trying to make someone happy usually requires essentially manipulative behavior, deceptive behavior. Not behaving the way you actually want, but the way you think they want. That kind of thing, eh? I mean, how have your thoughts around honesty in a, in a social context changed over the last few years? It's moving more towards the being as honest as I can with people. It's uh, it's one of those things. It's always a long journey. Mm. It's a, it's a long journey, um, and it's one of these things where I don't think it ever. You, you're always going to have that niggling voice in the back of your head with all of this, with all of this stuff. It's not like you wake up one day and you don't feel like this anymore. But I've now come. Tying back into what we were talking about before, where I'm, I'm now sort of saying, this is what I'm doing with my life. Come and join me, or if you don't, that's fair enough. That's kind of where I'm going with sort of the honesty kind of thing. I, I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to understand that if I'm more honest with other people, and also as well, if I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with what I want, then. You avoid a lot of misunderstandings, you avoid feeling upset, feelings of guilt, because you know where you are from the word go. And nobody's being, nobody's being messed around. Someone hasn't, with the sort of being friends with everyone kind of thing, when somebody thinks, when you're, you're trying to be friends with everyone, and you're shifting and like a chameleon, no one knows who you truly are. So... You can't let anybody in close mm. because they can't get close. But if you start being more honest with people, it allows people to get 
up close and you do have closer friendships. I, I think that those friendships that I've got, which in the time we worked together, have, have become a lot stronger. Because if I'm, if something's making me feel sad, I, I feel more comfortable saying, look, this is, I'm, I'm on a bit of a dang day. These are the reasons why. And then I think they've, People feel like if you're willing to be honest with them, then they can be honest with you as well. Mm. And as you as you sort of said, you've said on uh, in a lot of your work, once you start being on, once you sort of start showing the bad stuff, that's how you start to build deeper connections with people. Well, let's let's dive into that just a little bit deeper because I think. A lot of a lot of people pleaser types also think of themselves as honest people. It's kind of like that's the biggest lie, right? As they they because they're a good person, they're there for an honest person, and they have a good reason why they hide and deceive and all the other times that they're not dishonest. That comes with like a kind of caveat. There's a reason why I get it, you know, off the hook with this one. So from what does it mean to really be honest? What are you talking about? And in particular, like. Think of some examples, I guess, that came up for you where you did something that you went, ah, now that's being honest. That's a good. That's a good one. Um, I think there's. I've had, I think for me, it was actually one of the big things for me was actually opening up and telling people that I was working with a confidence coach. Mm. Actually, that... Because I, I was never intended to tell anyone about this when we first started. Um, and then, I, for, for some reason, I decided to tell somebody, oh, I've started to do this. And because I thought, I was terrified. It's like, they're going to they're, they're gonna think I'm some sort of, sort of freak or something like that, that I... I but I sort of said, "This is what I'm. This is what I'm doing with my life. I've, I've decided that I've decided there's some things about my life that I'm not happy with. I've found a coach that I'm going to work with, and we're going to try and move on. And we're going to see what what happens with this. And I think if I hadn't told people about that, it's like well, we wouldn't be having this. We wouldn't be having this conversation for a start. Mm. Um, but also as well, you'd be so scared of somebody finding out because you build up this wall and then." My self I wouldn't be so as confident as I am now because I'd be so scared of somebody finding out about my about my secret. Mm. And now I tell people, to be fair, a lot of the times it's one of the first people that I uh, that the first things I sort of say to people they sort of ask you, oh, what sort of what sort of in, interest do you have, Simon? And I'm like, oh well, I'm really into sort of self improvement, personal development, working with a coach for a little bit, and. Uh, and we get into a bit of a discussion about about these sort of things, and uh, you can just relax. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I remember going through that myself as well. When I first started receiving coaching, or at least first started working on myself, to admit to other people that I didn't see myself as perfect and finished, uh, that was it was surprisingly difficult. And, and I think that's because, you know, the overall people-pleasing impression you're trying to give is, like you said, it's the tragic hero, the perfect hero. You know, this, this, this thing that's got everything right, it's just bad luck and, and suffering and, and martyrdom and, you know, being a saint. They suffer, but they're actually a perfect person in that suffering. You know, to admit to people, actually, I haven't got all my shit sorted, to be fair. You know, I pretend to, but um, I've got things I need to work on, and you might you might now judge me for that and I have to let that happen um, so that's a huge one like admitting that you you want help or that you need help or that life isn't as great as you pretend it is that's a huge one what other things do you think based on your experience people pleasers need to be more honest about to start moving towards that self-acceptance what do you think they're likely to lie and deceive about I think one of the big things you need to realize is that there is a great deal of hypocrisy with the whole um, nice guy people pleasing mm. that you and I I think to a certain degree we're all hypocrites in our own little way personally I, 
I can be a, I'm, I'm still, a, I'm still a hypocrite. And, uh, um, but I think the thing is, is you look at other people's behavior and say that behavior is not acceptable. And then you follow it up with doing exactly the same behavior. Mm. So liars shouldn't lie kind of thing. And you go and tell a lie yourself. And I think one of the important things for, for people who are starting to go down this journey and I, I, is to realize that there are some parts that you're not perfect, but that's okay that you're not perfect. None of us are. But the, the, the same standards that you hold when you decide to, uh, when you're being judgmental about people, those standards you hold them to, do you hold just, how do you affect against those standards? Because I, I think in a way when, we, when we're projecting outwards, sort of when we're judging somebody, we're actually seeing the behavior that either there's, we're, we're projecting onto them our own insecurities and our own fears about a particular behavior. It's like if you're, if we use examples of somebody lying or don't like that person because they're, they're, they're a liar and you look at your own behavior and actually, yeah, I, I tell some lies. So you've got the, the fence of, yeah, but I've got a reason to tell these lies. I, I, I can justify it in my, my view of the universe. I was doing the right thing to tell those lies. But you're still telling lies at the end of the day, and you're, you're judging others on that. So you need to then start thinking about, right, so I'm projecting my dislike of liars onto this, but I'm doing it myself. Is that then, hurt, is that then hurting me? Am I then... Am I then kind of thinking to myself, I'm not living up to my standards, so I feel bad for that as well? Yeah, I think you really nailed it there, that hypocrisy. And, um, you know, for me, I used to get really upset with people who are judgmental. But to even do that is to be judgmental. You know, I'm judging judgmental people. And quite often I see this, and people pleasers, they live the lie like in the moment, like somebody will be going, <clears throat> a classic one is they'll complain to somebody else about someone being gossipy. They'll, they'll do it. They'll they'll talk about someone behind their back about how they talk about behind people's backs, you know, that kind of thing. Or they'll um they'll complain to someone um, that someone was being fake with them, and yet they're being fake with the person they're complaining to. They haven't told that person how they truly feel about them. You know, there's, there's a constant, like you said, there's this constant hypocrisy when you're a people pleaser. You're holding yourself on this high moral ground all the time, and yet you do all the things that bother you about other people, because, like you say, you're projecting. What bothers you about them is really your values speaking to you, saying, hey, you too, buddy. You know, you're just you're just seeing yourself in this behavior. That's why it upsets you. Um, yeah, that's huge, man. That's huge. And... Look, man, we've been going for a while now, and this is this is just such great stuff, man. I really appreciate you you're sharing your ideas. What what's your kind of your final top tips if you're looking at someone? They're people pleaser. They listen to this and they think, you know, fuck, I need to change. This is this goes bang on. Like I am not liking the way that I'm living. I don't want to be manipulative, so on and so forth. Uh, I want to make changes. Where do they start? What should they do first? Do you think? Um, I recommend uh, reading No More, Mr. Nice Guy, yeah. um, because there's some good exercises in there. It gets you thinking. Um, the other thing is, well, I, I suggest sort of there's plenty of people out. There's plenty of sort of people at, to sort of who are also going through these these journeys and actually speaking to people, speaking to people that are going through the similar sort of things. They're trying to back themselves. If possible, try and almost find themselves a, a, a mentor, almost to sort of say, "I want to." This guy's a little bit further down the road. What can I learn? What can I learn from him? But not turn, not but again, not turning it into kind of uh, a guru type scenario. Um, try and and also say to yourself, "What what sort of life do you want?" In an ideal world, what? What makes you happy? What do you enjoy doing? And what can you do more of that will make you more happy? 
and just try and pick one small thing at a time. So what I do, as I say to myself, what makes me feel, what makes me feel uncomfortable? Let's go do something about it. And then I'll, I'll go do something about it and then I'll reflect, see how it went and then start to explore the next thing. And then it's, it's very much using the free X, the free X model. Um, and by doing that, once you, once you get, the hardest thing is to start, is to get going. Once you get going, you start to see changes. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not, it's not even, it's not going to be a, a, all a present experience. Overall, the, the journey is a good, is a good journey. However, there will be times when you feel sick to your stomach, you can't sleep, you feel, you feel generally not nice. But, it's worth it's worth it it's definitely worth it i think that's a that's a great point to end it on you know it's just it's worth it all that pain and struggle you got to go through infinitely more beneficial than the pain and struggle of being a nice guy which is painful anyway right that's the funny thing people please are trying to avoid pain and they struggle all day to do that um so the struggle is the pain so Look, Simon, I really appreciate you sharing your, your story and your ideas with us um, and opening up. I mean, that in itself is, is a sign of how far you've come, you know, willing to point out all your own areas for improvement to a vast audience who may judge you for it. I mean, people please just could not do that, you know, so it shows the massive changes you've made. really appreciate you sharing that, man. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to working with you, of course, further in the future. And, of course, for those of you listening, <clears throat> at this time, uh, Simon's running a Brojo meetup, aren't you, in Bristol. Um, what's that, every Sunday night or something? Yeah, every Sunday night, uh, 7 p.m. It's just outside of just outside of Bristol um, in, Ye- in a weather screen called Fawn's Farm. Um, there's, a, there's a group on meetup, or if uh, you get in contact with Dan, you can, uh, you can pass it, you can... Uh, get you in contact with me and uh, come down, have a beer, we'll talk some personal development, have a bit of a laugh as well, and uh, have a good time. I love it. Yep, awesome. So if you if you feel like this conversation resonated with you and you'd like to talk about a bit more with someone who understands, uh, check out Bristol Brojo on meetup.com or get in touch with me through my contacts and I'll put you through to Simon. Simon, thanks again, mate, and... Uh, Wishing you the best. I'll see you again soon. Cheers, dude.